So we're, we're, we're starting a new series tonight called Battlefield, and really it's, it's the battlefield of the mind. And the question is always, you know, why, why do you do this series? Like, why, what's the importance of this series? And I really think in today's uh, age, in this, in this time, um, we're all at battle. Like, we all are. Like, in our minds, in our emotions, in the things that are going on in our world, like, we're at a constant battle. And the truth is this, whether you realize it or not, you're at battle. And some of us, we realize that every single day we're trying to win this war. We don't know how. And some of us, we just go throughout life and we're wondering why things go the way they do. And it's because there's a literal battle that's going on inside of each of us that's, that's, that we have to decide whether or not we want to fight or even we want to win. And, and when we look at the, the different sources of conflict, I just want to go through that real quick. Um, there's three different sources I want to look at. The first one is the one that gets blamed the most, and that's the devil. We love to blame the devil. I mean, because it's easier to blame. It's easier to blame the devil than anything else. It's easier to blame the devil than I did or whatever. And, and truth is, there is a spiritual battle going on around us. There is a spiritual battle. There, are, there is such a thing as the devil, and he does have fallen angels called demons, and they are out to cause chaos and to hurt us and to cause our minds to go the wrong way. But for the most part, it may not be us. In fact, there's only so many of them, and they're not... And they're not omnipresent, they're not over, all over the place, and, but this is one that is true. And many times there are spiritual battles that are happening where we are fighting against other spiritual forces. But this is the one we like to blame the most, but really deserves the least amount of blame. The second one is the world. And I don't mean the world as in nature, but in the world and what the worldview is. How the world today goes against what we know is right, what God is right. It's, it's this idea that we no longer need to put our reliance on God, but we need to put it on ourselves. I mean, even look at the first sin. The very first sin was humans deciding, I, I, don't, I, I like what God's given us, but I want the reliance to be on me. I want the choices to be on me. And this happens a lot, especially when you want to change your life. And some of you have gone through this. Some of you have grown up in church your entire life. And so when you go to church, your parents are like, thank you, finally, this is great. But for some of you, you didn't grow up in church. And when you go to church, your family's on the opposite end. Like, oh, so you think you're better than us now. Or they, they go against it. I had a friend named Ryan who started going to church with me when, I was, when he was in high school and his parents didn't like it. In fact, they, they didn't like the fact that he was going to church. They didn't like the fact that he was a part of religion. And they would actually, he had to do chores in order, order to go to church. I'm like, man, I'm not even sure if I would do chores to go to church. But it's awesome that he did. But it was just this thing that always came against him. And every time he did anything wrong, his parents would, be, would say, well, is that what a Christian would do? And they would use it against him. And, and here's the truth, though. Whenever you're trying to do something good, there's always something that comes against you, Right? I mean, even if you're trying to do the right thing, there's always someone that's jealous of it or doesn't like it or sees it, and it comes against us. And sometimes, here's the truth, sometimes when things are going wrong, we don't need to ask what went wrong. We need to ask what we did right. And so the truth is sometimes the reason, one of the biggest reasons we have conflict is because of the world around us. But I think the biggest one is this, it's our nature. It's our nature. It's when we become Christians, we get a new self that follows after Christ, but there is still that old nature inside of us that still wants to do the wrong thing. In fact, this is a battle that goes on the rest of our lives. I know a lot of people, when they give their lives over to Christ, they think, okay, that's it. I'll never have to deal with that temptation again. I'll never have to deal with that problem. But that's not true at all. That's not true at all. And we would love to blame the devil many times, but we are our own worst enemy. In fact, we are the ones that continue to sabotage ourselves over and over. 
Now, I, I want to start off by, by saying this because I hear this many times and I want to make sure we're on the same page as, as, as we go forward. When it comes to depression and mental health and all these things, I hear sometimes Christians say things like, if you really have faith in God and you really believe in God, you wouldn't need medication. Or if you really have faith in God and you really believe in God, you would never be depressed or have anxiety. I want you to understand that that's not true. Okay? I want you to understand that, yes, God has a plan for your life, and there are things we need to do in our mental health world, but sometimes medication is needed. Sometimes we need outside help. I just want that to be understood because I hear people say that, and it actually condemns people who feel that way, and they go away from the thing that they need the help from the most. The second thing is this, is that this idea that if you really follow after God, you won't have any issues. You'll never be depressed. And we, we know this isn't true because we just look at the Bible. One of my favorite stories in the Bible where we see this is a guy named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet and he, God told him, he goes, hey, I want you to go to the king and tell the king that they're not going to have rain for three years. This is not something you want to tell the king. Like this is not one of those good news things. Like you want to give good news to the king. So he gives it to the king and then God makes him disappear. And for three years, the entire land doesn't have rain. You can imagine back then, no rain, no crops. It's, it's a bad deal. And then finally, after three years, God goes, all right, I want you to tell the king that there's going to be rain again. And here's what's happened, though. This entire time, all the Israelite nation has turned away from God. They've started worshiping Baal. They've started worshiping, uh, worshiping other gods. And so God's like, I want you to do this. I want you to put their God on trial. I want you to make it so everyone understands I am the correct God. And so what happens is this, is Elijah goes up to the king and says, I want to go against your prophets. What we're going to do is we're going to have like a contest to see whose God is real. And there's 450 prophets of Baal and there's Elijah. And they go, the idea is they're going to go against each other. They make an altar and they're going to pray and whichever God can bring down fire from heaven wins. And so the 450 prophets of Baal go first. They're crying out. They're, they literally start cutting each other. Elijah is actually making fun of them. He, he actually says at one point, he goes, maybe you need to yell louder because maybe he's going to the bathroom. Like that's literally Elijah throws that in their face. It's hilarious. He's like, hey, you know, he may, he, maybe he's playing Angry Birds on his phone. Like, I don't know. Like maybe you need to yell louder. And finally they give up. Elijah goes and he takes water and pours it on the altar. He prays one time, fire comes down from heaven. I can't imagine what that was like. Seriously, to pray and fire come down from heaven. I wonder if he believed it was going to happen or not. Like, like that'd be incredible. Literally go, like pray it, but then you're like, oh God, I hope you show up. But fire comes down from heaven, engulfs the entire altar. Then after that, he prays again and he causes rain to happen. This guy is on a high. He just won and he's so excited. He literally runs back to the main city, which was about a marathon, somewhere between 17 and 30 miles. He says he runs faster than the chariots. I can probably go 20 yards faster than a chariot. The guy runs literally 17 to 30 miles ahead of it. He is psyched. All of a sudden he gets there and he finds out the queen's really mad. And the queen tells him that if she finds him, she's going to kill him. All of a sudden his God becomes small. All of a sudden, the fact that he caught, like, called down fire from heaven, caused it to rain, all goes out the door. And Elijah gets alone and by himself. And we all know this. When we're alone, do we think straight? No, we don't. And so in 1 Kings 19.4, this is what he says. He says, then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors that have already died. He's done. He's depressed. This is a guy 
that literally follow God to the T and he's having a bout of depression. Because what's crazy to me, and this is what I've seen many times, and this is something to be prepared for. I've always seen this. Spiritual highs are many times followed by spiritual lows. Spiritual highs many times are followed by emotional lows and temptation. In fact, one of the hardest times for many people I've seen is when they come back from a mission trip. Some of you have experienced this. I, I, ahead of time, I always tell people, hey, guys, when you come back, be ready for this. Because some of my biggest times of temptation, some of my biggest fights have come out of that. In fact, my dad always, when he would get, bring guys on the trip, he would talk to the, the women ahead of time and say, hey, when you come back, I don't know why, but you're going to want to fight. Some of our best friends, uh, he just went to his first mission trip to Cuba, helped this church out in Cuba, was doing incredible stuff. They come back. We literally have to intervene and go over there because they're fighting so much and they don't know what's happening. It's because, guys, just because you have spiritual highs, just because you're close to God, doesn't mean we don't have to pay attention to the battle that's happening inside of us. So here's, here's why I say that. I don't want you to think for a moment that if you just get God right, if you have one good quiet time or you're spending a lot of time with God, then all of a sudden this battle goes away. This is something that we have to continue to talk about. And here's what's interesting is we live in a culture that talks about self-care more than any other culture. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but what's crazy is we talk about self-care all the time, but at the same time, we sabotage, sabotage ourselves with the things that we know hurt us. We know our lives are crazy. We know social media and the media and cell phones and all these things make our lives worse, but we don't ever do anything about it. Romans 7.15, I think, is the perfect way of saying it. This is Paul. He says this. He says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I mean, isn't that us? Because we know we should unplug, right? We know we should unplug. I hear people all the time, you know what? I really should delete Facebook. I really should delete Instagram. I really ought to put my phone down. I really ought to do these things, but we don't actually do it. And I want you to understand this. We're living in a time now where it's harder than ever. The reason people aren't good at this is because we've never experienced it before. I mean, you don't even have to go back that far. When I was a freshman in college, and I know this is going to age me so much, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone. Other people had cell phones. They were invented. Shut up. <laughs> I didn't have a cell phone. And you know what's crazy? When my parents tried to call me, they called my landline. If they didn't get a hold of me, did they freak out and call everybody else's landline? No, they just assumed I wasn't at home and it was fine. When somebody wanted to get a hold of me, they called my phone. If it didn't work, they didn't get it. In fact, the only way I connected to the internet was through that landline. So if it was busy all the time. And so, but it was what's normal. Nowadays, if you can't get a hold of somebody, what happens? People freak out. Parents freak out. Friends freak out. We're constantly tied to the things around us. And we continue to cause them to give us all kinds of pain and all kinds of crazy in our life. In fact, do this, do this for me. Turn to the person next to you and call them traitor. You're like, wait, wait, wait. That, that, that. I'm trying to date them. Why would you cause me to do that? Um, here's the truth. Here's the truth. They're not the traitor in your life. You are. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We're the ones that are a traitor to ourselves. I mean, it's what that verse says, right? I know what I should be doing. I know the way I should act. I know the things that I should give up, but I don't do it. I continue to sabotage myself. I continue to wage war on myself. 
I continue to allow my thoughts to run rampant. In fact, what we do is we don't even deal with our thoughts. We don't even deal with our problems. We do what's called numbing, right? We do this. We, we numb either through alcohol or through drugs or actually one of the biggest ones in my life is food. People talk about don't go to the store when you're hungry. I should never go to the store when I feel down. So I'm going to get everything, right? I mean, there's just something about it. We continue to throw that stuff in our life. Or it's the fact that we can just sit there. You, you find it amazing that we can sit in one place and watch an entire season of a show. We can numb ourselves. And for some of us, it's social media. We, we purposely put out stuff, and every single time that somebody likes it, it's like a little pat on the back. Or, or, and I'm not speaking to anybody in particular because I know you're going to think I'm looking at you. For some of us, the way we numb ourselves is relationships. We can never be without one. We can never live a moment without somebody in our lives. And we go from relationship to relationship to relationship. Here's the problem with numbing. All we're doing is setting a trap for ourselves later on. And every time we choose to numb, we make that trap bigger and stronger till one day it takes over. Guys, we sabotage ourselves. I heard a pastor use these stats and I thought it was incredible. So I looked them up just to make sure. But there's a study on the rate of how well people, like patients use prescriptions. So if a, you go to the doctor, the doctor writes you a prescription, whether or not, like what do people do with it afterwards? And here's what, here's what the study said. A third of people that get a prescription will never fill it. Will never fill it. And then half of that 67% won't even follow the instructions on the bottle which means they won't take the full amount, they won't take it at the time they're supposed to, or they'll top, stop taking it, or they'll never take it at all. And here's what's crazy to me. I mean, you hear that, you're like, well, people are that way. The percentages are about the same when it comes to medication that fights off organ transplant rejection. So when somebody literally is going throughout their life, they're on a list, hoping one day they get a new organ, and then finally somebody has the ultimate sacrifice because they die in order for you to get that organ and they get that new organ. They don't have to go through that anymore and they don't even take the medication they're supposed to or take it in the right way. I mean, that's crazy to me. And actually they found there's one type of prescription that people actually use the right way and it's when the prescription comes from their vet and it's for their pet. When the prescription comes from a vet and it's for your pet, they say, people, it's almost 100% Use the correct way. What does it say about our self-loathing as people that we take better care of our pets than we do ourselves? See, this is why we have to declare war. I mean, it's something that sounds crazy. And I, and I know you saw it and you're like, okay, that sounds a little much. How declare war, that it sounds kind of crazy. But here's the truth. The enemy fights dirty. Our mind works against us. We have to continue to pay attention to it. And I should have known today that something was going to happen to me. Because every time I talk about a certain subject, it's going to come up in my life. And what's crazy to me is I'm one of those people, like my job at church, people always ask me, like, what do you do on Sundays? My job on Sundays is always to, like, be the fixer. I'm the one that makes sure everything is taken care of. If somebody starts yelling at the pastor, I'm taking them out. If a kid starts screaming, I'm the one going, hey, um, your kid's loud. Can you take them out? Like if the air condition goes off, I'm making sure that happens. If something happens around, I'm the one making sure. I don't know if it's because I stay calm or the fact that I don't care if I, you know, offend someone. Um, but I do really well in that. But for some reason, when I get alone and things are crazy, anxiety sets in. I think some of you, you, you feel like you're in the same position. All of a sudden, though, when you get alone and when I was driving home today, I don't know what it was. 
I don't know if it was everything that was going on with work, everything that's going on there, like our new budgets are coming up and all that. It's the stuff going on at home, like we still haven't heard from our case manager with our new kids, or the fact that we've got to replace our roof and that costs a crap load of money. Don't buy a house. Like all these things are filling up and I'm literally, I'm getting anxious. I can feel it. Like it actually, when I get really anxious, it actually starts to almost like affect my vision. I can feel it. And I get home and I sit down on the couch and my wife can see it. She's like, oh no, because she's seen it before. And she's sitting there and she's like, what's wrong? And I think about not telling her anything, but then I just, like, I just blurt something out. And it's not very nice. And I blurt it out. And then she gives me an idea, like a suggestion. And I start going, well, making fun of the suggestion and saying why it's wrong. She's like, why are you arguing with me? It was a suggestion. If you don't like it, move on. And I'm like, well, you don't like it, move on. And, I'm like, and it's just like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I realize it's like, wow, this is taking over my life. And for some of you, you know it. When you have anxiety, when you have depression, when you're in that moment, anyone that's around you gets hurt. And I remember I have to go upstairs and I'm like, all right, breathe, pray, think about what's going on. And it goes away, but it's something that's there. Because if I know this, I know if I'm feeling this, you guys are too. There's moments where we all deal with it. It's moments where we all have it. And so what we have to do in order to combat it is actually realize we're always at war. Proverbs 23, 23, 7 says it like this. It says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What is that saying? What we think, what we think makes up for what we do. What we think makes up for what happens. I'm not saying that mind over matter is in everything. That's not true. But many things in our life, it is mind over matter because a lot of our problems start in our mind. I mean, think about it. How many of the problems are self-manifested in our way? So here's what I want to say to that. You can actually change the way you feel by changing the way you think, which means this. Negative thoughts this is something to remember. Negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. But how many of us try to use negative thoughts to feel better about the situation that we're in? How many of us use negative thoughts to put down others around us to feel better? Here's the truth. We can never have a positive life if negativity is always what's there. Here's, it's kind of like this. You ever had to put batteries in something and you put them the wrong way? No matter how many times you click that flashlight, no matter how new the batteries are, if they're facing the wrong way and the negativity is going the wrong way, the negative pole, it's never going to turn on. In our lives, if we ever want to have a positive life, we have to decide to move past that negativity. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says this way. It says, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Here's what he's saying. Think about things that are godly. Why? Because none of us woke up this morning and said, you know what, I want to have a horrible day. Like none of us woke up this morning and you're like, man, you know what, I really want to be negative today. Like none of us woke up and you're like, you know what, today, if I could worry the whole day, it would be awesome. Right? None of us woke up that way. But when we allow our thoughts to wonder where they do, that's where we end up. We end up worrying. We end up in a place of negativity. And the problem is, in our minds, the way our minds work is this. Our reward for negativity is more negativity. The more we think negative thoughts, the more we continue to think that way. Here's why. Because what you look for, you will find. What we look for, we will find. Whatever you're searching for, you will find. And here, here's what I mean in that. There's a difference between thinking and thinking about. We can't keep negative thoughts from popping into our minds, but we can choose whether or not to dwell on them. 
we can choose whether or not to think about them because when we think about them is when we feel that way. And when we feel that way and when we think about them, they continue. It's self-perpetuating. It's this idea, there's, a, there's an illusion called the frequency illusion. And it works here. It's this idea, everyone in here has experienced the frequency illusion. It's that time when you get a new car and then you look around and everyone has that same car all of a sudden. Right? It's like the weirdest thing. I remember when we got, when Christy and I got married, she had an old Honda Accord. After we got married, I noticed a ton of Honda Accords. Were there more Honda Accords after we got married? No, I just noticed them. It works the same way in our brain. See, here's what happens. Here's what happens with the frequency illusion. In our brain, when we notice that, when I notice another Honda Accord, it actually rewards me. It goes, hey, you noticed another one. And then my brain is actually ultra sensitive to seeing others. It works the same way with negativity. When I start focusing on negative things and thinking about negative things, every time I see something else that's negative or I point out something that's negative, my brain actually rewards itself for seeing negativity. It's kind of messed up, but it's the way that it works. So what we choose to see, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to look for, we will find. Here's how it works. If you believe everyone at your work hates you or everyone at school hates you and you decide they're all mean, so you go in looking for ways that they are mean to you you will find ways that they're mean to you. If you look for things that are negative in what they say, you will find things that are negative in what they say. If you look for things that are negative in what they don't say, you will find it. You will look for things that are negative in the things that they laugh at, or even the things that they don't laugh at. Why did they laugh at my joke? My joke was funny. You will look for things that are negative in the way that they invite you to things or not invite you to things. And here's what happens. The more we look for negativity, the more we write a story about our lives. The problem is, the problem is the story that we're writing is not true and we can choose to write a different story. We can choose to see something that's very different. We can actually train our mind to see positive things. We can train our mind to see things that are good, things that are beautiful, things that are Christ-like, things that are generous. We can choose to see those things. And let me just say this, a lot of times you hear people talking about positive you know, positive reinforcement and positive thoughts. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying positive thinking as a replacement for God. It's positive thinking as a response to God. There's a big difference because I hear this all the time. I'm like, well, I'm just sending positive vibes up into the atmosphere. I don't know what that means. Stop doing that. It's not biblical. Somebody along the way, oh, just send your positive thoughts my way. That doesn't work. It's not like you go, I'm thinking of you. And like, they, oh, thank you. Like it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And I want you to understand that's not what it is. It's not just positive thinking to have positive thinking. It's positive thinking in a response to God, meaning I look at the world that I'm in and I'm grateful what he's given me. I look at the world that I'm in and I see what he's created. I see the people around me. I see it through his lens. I see the children of God. I've seen the way that he's made them and given them a purpose. And I start to see what's possible with God. See, I start to see it through the eyes of God as a response to him, not just to be positive. Because here's why. It's impossible to worry and worship at the same time. It's impossible to worry about something and worship God at the same time. Because when I'm worshiping God, I'm focused on how mighty he is, how strong he is, how in control he is, not on what's going wrong in my life. Philippians 4.8, it's a verse many of you have heard before. It says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I heard a pastor say it this way, this way. You can't pout and praise at the same time. 
You can't complain about something and praise God at the same time. You can't encourage someone and be critical about them at the same time. The problem is we're so negative. Some of you have grown up in this environment for so long. Your natural outlook on everything is so negative. And what people say, oh, just stop thinking negative. Stop. It, that's not possible, right? Whenever somebody tells you to stop thinking about something, what do you do? You think about it. For right now, if I said, hey, stop thinking about purple elephants, all you're thinking about right now is purple elephants. That's the way that works. And here's the idea. When, when we're saying stop thinking negative thoughts, it's not that you're stopping just thinking negative thoughts. It's replacing them. In fact, the best way to change a habit is not to stop it, it's to replace it with something else. And so what we're choosing to do is not just stop the negative thoughts, but replace them with the positive sides, the positive things that we need to look at, the worshiping. It, here's what's crazy to me. That a lot of things that we as church tell people to do, the habits that you hear about, are not just habits just for the sake of it. They're habits that we want you to do and be a part of to replace the things in your life that you don't want to do. The habits like reading the Bible, habits like meditation. When I say meditation, it's not just sitting there, you know, and, and breathing in and out. Meditation is focusing on the words that you read in the Bible. It's focusing on the things that God has said. Verse memorization, I know, has been huge for many people. Every time you go to think that way, you remember this verse. Every time you go to think the wrong way, you remember what God said. For some, it's fasting. And, for some, and when I say fasting, some of you go directly to food. It may be fasting from your phone. Maybe fasting from social media, maybe fasting from the things in your life right now that they may not be causing trauma, they may not be causing trouble, but they're numbing what you actually need to deal with. It's fasting from those things, it's attending church, it's small groups, it's accountability. Because I, I, I got to say this, we're starting small groups this week for a reason, because it's not possible to do these things on your own. You need other people in your life. You need somebody you can talk to about it, and you need somebody that can encourage you in it. When God calls you to live this life, he never said, oh, you can do it by yourself. He purposely wants us to have other people in our lives to help us out. That's what church is. It's a group of people coming together going, I don't know how to do it either. Can you help me? And that's what we do. See, so guys, if we're going to win this war with our mind, we've got to decide that we are at war and decide that we're going to take steps to combat it. And this week, one of the best things we can do is start to replace the negative thoughts that we have, the worry that we have, with what God has said about us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that, um, that you love us this much. God, I know that what is happening in our minds and the thoughts that we have, even for many of us in here, just thinking about this message causes all kinds of things to rush in. God, I know for many of us, we don't even want to think about the trauma that we've had. We don't even want to think about the things that we've been through. We constantly numb ourselves and we're constantly setting a trap for ourselves. God, I pray that you allow us to unload those things, to surround ourselves with others and replace the thoughts that we have that are negative with the positive and grateful thoughts that are about you. God, we thank you and we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.